Merry Christmas, Bolingbroke people and 95th people, Hobson folk. You know, as you look forward to the Christmas Eve service, uh, I just want to challenge you to recognize this as an incredible opportunity to make a difference in the lives of your neighbors. Again, people are more inclined to come to church uh, at Christmas Eve than most times of the year. And so tell them, say, hey, you know, our, our church is... Uh, got a great Christmas Eve service. Maybe you want to send them to that invite video. It's a great way to give them just a little taste of what's to come. But boldly step up, would you? This may be a moment the Lord uses you in profound ways uh, to impact other people. So our series, No Ordinary Joe, continues week two. I want to show you a sign that you may have noticed as you drive down the street. Nothing can cause uh, a, a civil war in my family, like this sign. I get all excited. Hey, kids, we got a historical marker coming up ahead. I love history, you know that. And I love historical markers. And I've been known to pull over on the side of the road and we all pile out to read and appreciate. And my kids are like, no, don't do it, Dad. Uh, to me, you know, a historical marker is exciting. In fact, to drive by one, I feel this immense sense of loss. Like, I missed out. You know, something, that's hallowed ground we just passed over. Something of great significance took place. And because we drove by, I'll never know, you know, and it just bothers me. So I love those markers. In fact, I, I came across one in downtown Naperville. No kidding. I, I, there was one that I had never noticed before. Here's the picture of it. This is by North Central College, and uh, it's very uh, near downtown. It says Fort Payne, marks the spot where a military fort once was. This was surprising to me. I normally, when I think of areas of warfare, I don't think of Northern Illinois, you know what I mean? I think of the South as Civil War stuff, and the East, you know, some Revolutionary War stuff, but... You know, we're like the area that never had battles. Wrong. Uh, Turns out that Fort Payne was built by a guy named Payne. His name was Captain Morgan Payne. And he rode his horse into Naperville back in 1832. So these were in the, the earliest days when it was just a new settlement. And Captain Morgan came with 45 soldiers and bad news. Captain Morgan said, hey, Napervillians, we got a problem. Chief Black Hawk of the Indians has just crossed the Mississippi from Iowa, and he is charging with a massive army of a hundred, no, a thousand Indians. And he is sweeping through, and he is just wiping out uh, towns of settlers claiming the land. And Captain Morgan looked at them, and he said, I think we've got days, maybe two weeks at the most, to get ready before this army arrives here to kill us all. And he said, I've come with my 45 soldiers to help. We need to build a fort. My guys will help, but I need your help too. Boy, did Naperville unite in that moment. Here's a picture, uh, artist's rendition of Fort Payne, what they constructed in a matter of a couple weeks with frantic urgency. The soldiers and the Napervillians united to construct this fort finished in the nick of time. They piled behind the security of these walls. And wouldn't you know that other settlements in the area had massacres uh, from the Indians. But the Indians 
saw this fort and decided it's not worth it and left Naperville alone. Isn't that interesting? You, let's go back to the historical marker. Next slide. You would walk down this sidewalk a thousand times, assuming it to be any dull place, but the historical marker helps us realize that this is the actual ground where people of this town united like never before with hearts racing because they knew life was on the stake and they came together to save the day. Oh, I love historical markers. I wonder if your life is historical marker worthy. Do you think we should fire up the bronze plaque machine and set some up in your life? You'd say, no, 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 no. My, my guess is you would respond by saying, I don't think it's very historical marker worthy. Historical markers are for important people, like here's where Abraham Lincoln was born. I'm not an important person. Historical markers are for exciting drama, like a frantic effort to build a fort. No exciting drama like that in my life. Historical markers are for events that have lasting implications that change the flow of history, and nothing in my life has lasting implications. So a lot of people would say, eh, kind of have a dull life. I beg to differ. I'm convinced you're wrong. What if your life is profoundly more significant than you ever realized? You know, I love the historical marker imagery because, again, we would be oblivious to the significance of what took place on this ground if not for this marker. Could it be that we need some markers that we're oblivious to the significance of our lives. We need some, something that just says, look again, there's more than meets the eye here. Could it be that the people in your life are more significant than you ever realized? Could it be that the moments of your day are chock full of potential and eternally significant potential, more than you ever realized? How would we ever grow to become aware of the significance that's otherwise so easily missed? I'll tell you how. Through faith. Faith. Faith is sometimes described in the Bible as like a sixth sense. An ability to see what's invisible. Ability to perceive and to know and be confident of things that you wouldn't be confident of just if you were trusting in what's visible and seen. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we walk by faith and not by sight. That Christians need to become people who have this receptivity, this ability to know and understand their world at a deeper level than most would. Joseph was a man of faith. In this series, No Ordinary Joe, we're, we're taking a look at the adoptive father of Jesus Christ and asking ourselves, what were the remarkable qualities about him that made him, you know, the type that God would choose to raise the Son of God, the, the Messiah? Well, one of them is faith. He was a man of faith. Now, when I say faith, I have to be clear. We studied faith in our last series, The Five Solas. That was salvation faith. That's faith where we trust in Christ. We say, Jesus, you're my only hope. Save my soul. I'm counting on you to forgive my sin. Faith is saving faith, but there's also faith that we live with. 
faith that believes God and all that he says that is true about life. And Joseph had a life of faith. And we're going to see that evident in the passage we study today. Let me just remind you of Joseph's situation. If you were in Joseph's situation, I think you would say, he's got a bad one. He was engaged to be married, so excited. He's got a beautiful, wonderful, you know, godly, so he thought, fiance. But last week we learned that she came to him and said, hey, I got a little news. Uh, You ready for this? I'm pregnant. But don't worry, I haven't been unfaithful. And Joseph's knowledge of biology led to him concluding otherwise. And he assumed, I can't believe it, my fiance's cheated on me. And he resolved to end their engagement in a quiet way to protect her reputation. Very kind uh, gesture on his part. And that's where he's at, all right? That's where we pick up in our passage. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 20. But after he, Joseph, had considered this, that is, ending the engagement, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her really is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, she has not been unfaithful. This is a miraculous conception. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. That's why the angel explains. Name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's alluding to the meaning of his name. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, This virgin birth should not have been as much of a shock because the prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament had said it would be so, that the coming of the Messiah would be marked by a miraculous conception, a virgin birth. And sure enough, that's what's taking place in Mary. How did Joseph respond? Let's take a look at verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Friends, I argue that these verses, verse 24 and 25, is one of the most beautiful pictures of faith. You see, Joseph is seeing and acting in ways based on what God said is true and not what visible sight would tell you. Let's talk about Mary. You know, he's looking at Mary as God sees Mary. If you were to ask other people, hey, what do you think of this pregnant, unwed young girl? People in that society would have scorned her. You know, they were really, really big on their rule keeping. And anyone who didn't follow the rules was viewed as the scum of the earth. And so people in that day would have looked at Mary and said, oh, oh, a pariah, an outcast. But not Joseph. Joseph, it says, took Mary home as his wife. 
Joseph said, you know what? I assumed that she was unfaithful, but Lord, you have spoken in your dream telling me it's not so. I now see her as you see her, as a faithful woman who I am honored to marry. Joseph said, all right, I see it, Lord. I see it, and I'll act accordingly. Not only that, it says in these next two lines, let's highlight them, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. I mentioned last week there are some who believed that they never consummated their marriage. That's not true. It says here uh, they did not consummate until she gave birth. The implication is that after uh, she gave birth, they consummated their marriage as any married couple would. But Joseph delayed the enjoyment of sexual intimacy until after Jesus was born. Though he was married to her, he did not take advantage of the privileges of marriage. And the reason was Joseph understood what was going on here. He's like, oh my, this pregnancy my new wife has is a miracle of God. I see what the Lord's doing. Like the Old Testament prophet said, God wanted to bring the Messiah into the world with a miraculous conception. So Joseph said, I don't want to... you know, have intimacy with her in a way that would make anyone have a, an explanation for how this child came about that's non-miraculous. So Joseph said, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll, I'll, I'm a young man, very excited to uh, enjoy intimacy with my wife, but I'll put that off for months because I want to support the unique mission my wife is on. God has called her to this incredible uh, privilege of bringing the Savior into the world. And he said, if I can be a part of that and support her story, I'm going to do that. Do you see how Joseph is seeing Mary as not trash, but a treasure whom he adores, who he will support, who he will sacrifice for? Folks, one of the great ways that faith is how we see is that we see people with eyes of faith. We see our spouse through eyes of faith. We see our kids, our neighbors, our co-workers, family members, friends. Uh, We see people differently. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.16. From now on, we don't look at anyone the way the world does. At one time, we looked at Christ this way, but we don't anymore. Have you experienced this? That your faith changes the way you see people. In our society, uh, our society would say, uh, your value is based on your level of accomplishment, how attractive you are, the color of your skin, the level of your education, your bank account, all these factors, you know, that's what determines how valuable you are. And God says, no! God screams, every human being was created in the image of God and that Jesus Christ came and gave his blood and uh, his life to save every soul. He died for each human being. And folks, if we see people through the eyes of God, we realize they are much more important than we ever knew. I'm reminded of C.S. Lewis's quote. Maybe you've heard this. I love this. C.S. Lewis said, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. 
nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, now these are mortal. And their life is to ours as that of a gnat. But it is immortals with whom we joke, with whom we work, whom we marry, and whom we snub. Folks, it's true. May God grant you the eyes of faith to recognize the value, the eternal value of every human being you have the privilege of rubbing shoulders with. Joseph saw it that way. He says, yeah, uh, the world would look at Mary and say, you got a promiscuous young lady, not worth much. Joseph said, I know who she is. God has told me who she is, and I believe. So that's the first thing. Joseph sees his wife through eyes of faith, but I would add this. Joseph sees Jesus through eyes of faith. Let's go uh, to the verse again. These first lines have been all about Mary, but this last one is about Jesus. Let's focus in on that last line. Next slide. There it is. And he, Joseph, gave him, Christ, the name Jesus. This simple moment where after Jesus was born, Joseph says, hey, everybody, I'm here to declare his name. His name will forever be Jesus. That moment is pregnant with powerful proclamation. That one word, Jesus, preaches a whole sermon about life and what Joseph sees. And you say, how does it preach all of that? Well, it tells us what Joseph sees in that little boy. Here, uh, let's highlight this. He gave him the name. I want to just mention this. Uh, I'm an adoptive dad, so I love you know, what it means to be an adoptive dad. That little phrase, he gave him the name, that's Joseph saying, I'm the adoptive dad. Why? Because the dad had the responsibility in that ancient culture of proclaiming the name of the child. And so this child that Joseph did not father could have been viewed as an illegitimate child. He could have disdained the child, but Joseph says, no, he's my boy, and I will name him. And so Joseph sees him as his son, but more than that, Joseph sees him as his savior. The word Jesus, let's highlight Jesus. I already mentioned, what does it mean? Do you remember? The Lord saves. In fact, let's, let's put up with this verse, let's add to it what we already learned from verse 21. She'll give birth to a son, you're to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. One word says so much. Let's let's think about what that one name, Jesus, says. The fact that he was named Jesus. Huge! First of all, it says, Joseph says, I see him as the Savior, as my Savior. That's the weird thing about Joseph's relationship here with his boy. He's my son, but he's the Savior of my soul as well. He's my only hope. In fact, not only did the one word Jesus say, tells us what, Jesus, what Joseph thought about the boy, tells us what Joseph thought about himself, and that is that I need a Savior. Remember the verse here says that he will save his people from their sins. Joseph says, I'm one of the people that needs saving from my sins. 
Joseph says, I'll tell you what I see. I see that I'm drowning in sin. Though I may be considered righteous compared to some, I know I'm in a world of sin and my soul is going down for the count if I don't have a rescuer, like a hero who who swoops in and pulls me out of the muck and mire. And, And Joseph goes, that's who I am, a sinner in need of a savior. And that's who my boy is, the savior. And I would argue the one word Jesus tells what Joseph thinks of God, the father. Some people think of God the Father as ambivalent, distant, unconcerned. Joseph says, oh no, he's the God who sent a Savior, Jesus. It's shocking that God sent a Savior. Think about it. If if you were God and a, a whole world turned their back on you and said, we don't need you, get out of our lives, we'll do things our way, wouldn't the natural reaction be, okay, well then fine, have it your way. Send the planet flying into the outer space. Jesus declares God didn't do that. Jesus declares that God said, no, I love them still. And I'm concerned about them. I am so filled with compassion that I will devise a saving, a rescue plan. I will execute a rescue plan. I will give everything to the rescue plan. The love and concern of God for sinners is revealed in that one word, Jesus. Folks, when Joseph said his name will be Jesus, we discover that Joseph views himself as a needy sinner, his son as the only hope, God the Father as a lover of sinners. The name Jesus reveals what Joseph thinks of his life. It would be tempting to view Joseph's life as boring. I'm just a guy in the construction trades, don't have much money, just going about my daily existence. But Joseph would say, no, 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 my life is drama, baby, drama. I'm in the middle of an epic rescue story. I'm part of God's great effort to swoop into this dying planet and sweep across the the landscape of the world and the time of history and save souls. Joseph's like, I'm part of that. May God use me to help others find salvation both now and for eternity through my son, Jesus Christ. Folks, the drama Joseph saw was remarkable. So, Joseph, tell me about your life. He would not say, I know it looks boring to you that I'm marrying a girl who was unfaithful. He goes, oh no, I'm telling you, I see it for what it really is. I have a wife who is precious, precious to God, not a mission that I support. I've got a boy who is precious to me and who is actually my savior, my only hope. I've got a God who loves a fallen world and I'm caught up in this great drama. The way you see your life changes everything. Do you see that? If you don't have eyes of faith, yeah, your life is pretty dull. But if you have eyes of faith, if you say, God, tell me how it really is, you will discover there's more than meets the eye. And faith gives us the capacity to step into that drama with enthusiasm. Uh, You know, can I... Can I tell you, just I want to give you an example of a mom. A mom who was living her life and 
she understood that it matters. I, the mom is my mom, all right? And, and, and the, the moment is one that I was reminded of this week. I was in a conversation with a friend, and he said something that made me think of this moment. I hadn't thought of this moment in a long time. Do you ever have people say something and it triggers a childhood memory you haven't thought about in a long time? Well, that's what happened. I remember this moment. I was 14 years old. I was having breakfast at the kitchen table, and I was overwhelmed with anxiety. I I dealt with a lot of anxiety as a young man, and I had an issue at school with a supposed friend that was causing me anguish, that was killing me. And I'm sitting there at the breakfast table eating Frosted Flakes and just dying. And my mom was making her coffee, and she noticed it. And she stopped with the coffee, and she walked over, and she sat down next to me. She goes, what's bugging you, Jeff? Now, I was of the type that I normally did not tell my parents much of what was going on. To my shame, young people, tell your parents what you're feeling. Let them in on your drama. And I don't know why I didn't do it. I wish I would have. But in this moment, I was transparent. I I shared. I said, all right, Mom, you want to know? Here's what I'm dealing with. And, And she listened, and she affirmed her love for me, and she said, Jeff, I'm so sorry that you are dealing with that. And then she said, can I give you my perspective on it? And she gave me a wise perspective on my problem that was a better perspective than the one I had been looking at it with. And then she says, here's what I would do. It's your choice, but here's what I would do. And she gave me wisdom as to how to approach the matter. And friends, I'm telling you, my mother's ministry to my soul at that moment changed my life. I can remember the clarity of the epiphany. She's right. She's right. I remember the feeling of like a thousand pounds being lifted off my shoulders. And not only did that moment change the moment, I've kind of lived with the maturity gained from that moment. Where's the the historical marker? We need to make a brass plaque and put it in the kitchen right next to the Frosted Flakes bowl there and say, this you know, so this moment wasn't huge for national world history. It was huge for my history. It was huge for the kingdom of God history. And my mom doesn't even, I've told her about this moment many times. She has no recollection of it at all. To her, it passed by as just any moment of being a mom. But I'm telling you, I have eyes to see because I was in it. it changed my life. Folks, What if our lives are filled with moments like that that are just full of the potential to change someone's life and to mark kingdom history in a profound way? What what if you're walking out to the curb with the trash can and you just have a short little interaction with your neighbor? Is it possible that that moment, say, uh, neighbor, by the way, we have a Christmas Eve service at our church, I'll send you a goofy little video with my pastor shaving it. It's really goofy, but what if that changes their lives? Well, what if your interaction with a coworker when you decide to encourage them, or your interaction with your parents or your kids? What if you feel inclined to send a text to encourage someone or give a phone call? 
What if we had eyes to see and we realized that this is the stuff of life? This is how God advances his eternal cause. This is where trajectories of, of, uh, of lives and families are changed. Folks, may God open our eyes to see the significance of what we are actually living in. I, I found something out. I, I've got something that, I got an app that I'm guessing no one else has. Maybe a few of you, probably not. I've got a historical marker app, huh? (laughs) It's awesome. Every historical marker in the United States, it has been locked into the database of this app. The app monitors your GPS location and alerts you when you're in the proximity of a historical marker. You know, walking along, thinking nothing's that cool. You know, and you look and you don't even need the brass plaque anymore because all of the verbiage on the plaque is in the app. And you can just, oh, look at that, and read about the significance of the place you are at. Now, that's cool, but you know what would be even cooler? What if they had an app that did not alert you to the significance of history at this place, but the significance of the present in this place? What if the app had the capacity to tell you, hey, there's more than meets the eye going on right now? You know, you're at the, at the gas station buying a donut, and all of a sudden, oh, hold that donut for a second here. I got to read this. Something's going on here. What's going on? Turns out you're cashier. You're way more important than I would have guessed. And it turns out that God has called me to encourage you, to love you in this very moment. What if throughout your day, the app went off and just helped you understand and see things through the eyes of faith? I contend that app exists. It's not on your phone, it's in your heart. It's called faith. It's the capacity to see and understand what doesn't meet the eye. It's it's the capacity combined with the Holy Spirit to grow in an awareness to the significance, the eternal significance of the people we interact with and the moments we enjoy with them. Folks, some people grow in faith. They start off at a place where they don't see any of it. They just say, the people are all bums in my life and every moment's boring and my life is drudgery. And then they grow. They grow in faith. Their capacity to see things differently begins to expand. And they're like, wow, these people in my life are precious beyond imagine." And my life is being scripted by God and he is orchestrating opportunities to touch others and be a part of his mission in their life. And if I will obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, I can be used in incredible ways. Some people grow in their capacity to see the world differently and how you see your life changes everything. If you don't see the significance, it will be boring. But if the Lord can help you realize the sacredness of each day and each moment, it will make your heart race with anticipation. You'll get out of bed in the morning and you'll say, all right, we got a historical marker-worthy day ahead. I don't know what, but I just feel it. And you'll, you'll be saying, you know, they should make a movie of my life. I mean, this is good stuff. 
because I'm in the thick of this great drama of God doing this Savior redemption epic adventure of sweeping across this landscape, pursuing the hearts of men and women and children. And I'm part of it, and I love it. Folks, may God grant us eyes to see how it really is. In fact, uh, it was Elisha, the prophet, who prayed that for a friend. A friend was freaking out because an enemy army was approaching. And remember what Elisha said? He said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And sure enough, he saw that God was present and an angelic army was surrounding. Things were more than met the eye. And I, and I want to pray that for you, that the Lord may open your eyes, that you may see today, tomorrow, this Christmas season, the rest of your life. So let's, let's pray. God, I thank you for my friends. Uh, I think of them at Bolingbrook right now and at 95th here at Hobson, and I pray for them, God. Open their eyes that they may see. Open their eyes even today to gain a, a, a shocking realization as to the precious value of the people around them, that they would see you differently, Lord, as near and loving and engaged as you say you are. God, would you help them see the incredible value of each day, each moment. Lord, Make their hearts race. May their blood pump with adrenaline because they're engaged in this great story. You are writing for them. Open their eyes that they may see. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.